Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Ricky. And this is Season 3, Episode 8 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's slated to come out on May 25th, 2020. So, uh, you know, one of those days that's in the future, or maybe in the past for you, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to get right into the show today. We are going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I brewed some basic mead. Um, talk about some AI-powered voice filtering technologies and um, some things like that. So mostly we're, we're going to talk about tech and mead today. But let's get right into the mead. I think, Ricky, you've had a chance to uh, possibly start sniffing and, and everything. So I brewed uh, a mead um, and on the 19th, so about two weeks ago, I bottled it. Uh, so it's April 19th, uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, I called it basic mead, but I back sweetened it a little bit. Um, and so it, when I first, when I first did it before I back sweetened it, um, it was, um, <clears throat> uh, very dry and kind of watery. Um, but then when I back sweetened it, it went, it was, you know, it's 12.77 ABV and it, it instantly the extra honey because I put, um, some, some just plain clover honey in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's clover honey base. Um, I, it, it just kind of brought out all the nice notes that were in there and everything like that. And I felt like, um, it tasted pretty good at the time that I bottled it. But uh, I had a bottle uh, pop on me, like the the cork popped out, yeah. and uh, the carbonation, the nucleation, like caused it to fizz over a little bit. And so I knew that I couldn't just let that one sit. I had to drink it, and I drank it um, two nights ago. And I am going to be really interested to see because I had to keep it in the fridge during the day. Mm-hmm. It got pretty cold. I'm going to be interested to see what you think of it. Yeah, it's still a really young mead. So it's hard to judge too much because like it's got a lot of off flavors, but me generally does. It takes a long time for me to age and kind of get to the point that it's smooth again. I'll say at least maybe in mine, it has almost a little bit too much back sweetening. It's really sweet. But part of that can be if you sweetened it, like back sweetened it, it went directly in the bottle. And then mine went into the fridge pretty quickly. So it probably didn't get a chance to ferment too much. Um, Your so it set in the um, I back sweetened it like at the beginning of April. Okay. I, I made this in January. Uh, it set in primary until February. Um, then I took it out of primary and I put it um in in march and i put it into or um in february and i put it into secondary and i let it continue to or no i'm sorry it stayed in primary until almost april um at the beginning of april i let it i felt like it it had gone completely dry at that point i didn't like the flavor of it so i added some stuff to back sweeten it this is one of the ones that I hadn't added any tea or anything like that to. Mm-hmm. So um, it didn't have any extra tannins or anything like that. I just put some more clover um, honey into it. And then, um, you know, I, I let it I let it set for a little bit. Let it set for a couple of weeks. And um, one of the things that 
I, I felt like to begin with, because it's in that 12 to, you know, that 10 to 13% range that we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Um, it was much more harsh. There is a definite change in the flavor between the day that I bottled it, which was, I, I felt like it had a fa- fairly pleasant taste, but still like some of that, that new mead kind of flavors and everything like that to today, which is, um, there is a significant change in flavors between those two. Um, yeah. And, and I'd imagine with it now being cold, cause that's one of the things you can really do to help, a an alcohol that's not quite fully matured yet is you really just can't taste as much stuff. And I guess I shouldn't say stuff. You can't taste as much of the, the nulls and like the off things about them when they're cold. So that's kind of generally what I'll do when I, I make it a mead or something that's anything really strong. I'll save a little bit in like a side bottle before I go back and back sweet and do anything like that. And I'll get that really cold to see what it tastes like. Because I generally don't drink warm alcohol. But yeah, this one's definitely, I mean, it's not bad. I think in a couple months, it'll kind of come into itself. The only thing that I think, if, if, especially if it was in the bottle that long, I don't think my particular bottle, because I know they were all in different ones, um, picked up fermentation too much more. You know, there was a little bit of yeast in it, but I think we talked beforehand, and that might be just from racking it over. Definitely was from but mine's, it yeah, over. mine's way too sweet and doesn't have any carbonation in it, so it just didn't pick back up for mine, which is well, sometimes understandable because honey is a little bit harder to ferment. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, if you want to like bottle condition, you want to get carbonation in there you put just straight corn sugar or they'll sell these like little tablets you can drop in that are essentially just pure really easy to digest sugar to blow that out so mine is very sweet it like you said it's way too sweet um i don't think um i don't think it's ever gonna go back to being like uh as dry as it was i think i could have put um half as much um honey in it and it would have been fine it wouldn't have been you know super super sweet like it is right now um so like maybe next time i do something like this um i'll add a pound instead of two pounds a half a pound per gallon of meat yeah i could definitely see that and one thing you can do while you're tasting it um while you're mixing stuff in because um, even if you have a recipe, generally, you know, like anything with cooking or really any other type of food preparation, you taste it as you go. That sweetness comes out the longer you wait. So especially for something in the meat that you got to let sit for a while, it doesn't need to be as sweet when you're tasting it the first time. Um, because those those sweetnesses will come out as the meat kind of starts to mellow. So. I, well, it, it needed a back sweetening, though. It, it oh, yeah, I'm sure it absolutely point. needed some. It's just point one of those things to keep in your head, because that's a mistake yeah. I made a lot when I first started, is I got it to as sweet as I wanted when I would then go to bottle, and then I'd come back a month and a half later, and it'd be too sweet. I feel, I feel like, though, that the, the clover honey that I used... Um, which is something that I uh, that I got. It has a nice. It has some nice flavors to it, like the um, the Red Star uh, ye- uh, Champagne yeast. 
that I threw in there. This is one of those that we thought had stuck. Remember, mm-hmm. uh, we had talked about it. Like it just, it just like wasn't going, it wasn't doing anything and we weren't sure why. Um, and it was one of those that we thought was, was messed up. Um, but it just took it forever to, to eat through the honey. Um, the other one that I've got downstairs, it's still eating through the honey. That champagne yeast is just, it's just taking it forever to, to mm. burn through it. And I'm not really sure why, but I mean, it's just the, it's just the nature of the beast, so to speak. So, um, you ready to talk about some, uh, <clears throat> some crisp yeah. stuff? <laughs> um, so we're, we're using an, an app on Discord, Discord that's like a noise filtering app that we've talked about a couple times, or I'm using it right now mm-hmm. called Crisp. And so um, normally with me, you can hear a lot of background noise because the air conditioner's running, the fan's running. I've got a couple of computers in here, uh, but I don't think you can hear any of that stuff right now. At least it doesn't seem to be on any of the playback that I could hear. Now, the last time there was a little bit of a, a problem with... Um, the noise gate uh, not picking up my voice as well because I'm not right up on the microphone uh, like I am when I have a headset on. But my, uh, it seems like um, that that this is this is really like making a difference in a fairly noisy room. I don't have a very very low noise floor floor, yeah. floor here. Uh, but you on the other hand, what are you using? Um, your... I'm just using the natural voice cancellation that's built into my Plantronics headset. Disclaimer, that is like a, it's a fairly nice headset from work. I think it's like $300 when I got it. Maybe it's like 280 or something now. So this is a more proprietary noise cancellation thing, I guess. Yeah. So that so you're using a um, USB, um, you know, RF to base station kind of headset that. Um, does does the noise cancellation, you know, for like uh, meetings and stuff like that. It's kind of how it's set yeah. up for, right? Yeah. Uh, and I can tell a difference in the way our, um, your mic is very different than my mic, right? Like it, it's, um, your voice is much more like um, crackly, I guess, is the right, is the best way to explain it. It's kind of um, poppy, so to speak. Um but yeah, so um, I want it, whoever's out there listening to this podcast, and they're like, "Yeah, I can hear the difference between the two of them." And yeah, there is there. There's like a little bit more of a mellow tone with Chris. It's up to you as to whether or not you like it. But you have to pay for the one that Ricky <laughs> that Ricky has. Yeah. Um, this one it just comes like no matter where you are with Discord, you just kind of get it, and you can make t- make use of it on their beta. Um, program. It's uh, like three a hamburger menu at the bottom. You click on this little this little thing in beside your uh, name and, and the voice, and then it'll pop up and it'll say, "Do you want to try the beta?" And you can just like slide a slider over. You can even test it to see the difference between when it's on and when it's not. Um, so I think I think it's a good it, it's a it's a boon. Uh, for people being able to do audio podcasts or anything like that. Oh yeah, especially since Discord's used so much for like gaming or just friends hangouts. You know, those things are always rife with some background noise. 
Yeah, exactly. And we play D&D over it and mm -hmm. uh, use it for a lot of things. So Discord's got a ton of good uses. Having um, functionality like this is great. Um, what, what do you feel... So just on the topic of these kind of AI-powered noise cancellation features that you can that you can kind of get in real time, how do you feel like this? Um, do you feel like this is like a good thing, um, or it has some drawbacks or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's generally good. I mean, apart from everybody has to do the marketing of it's AI-driven, even though the definition of AI to them is very far pulled out of what it actually means in the computer science world. Um, you know, they're good. I think anything that really improves communication is worth investing in. There's not as much as a security concern in my mind since you're already sharing your video through the app, I mean, your video or voice. So, you know, if it was for things like normal phone calls that have like a lot more protection, I may be not sure how I would feel because then again, you're letting some other thing, like if it was, you know, replacing your default phone app. Now, is that recording? Is that keeping your phone calls? But Discord already, if it wanted to obtain that information, has means of doing it. So I can't complain too much. It's just taking the service they already have and trying to make it a bit better because they used to do their own in-house noise cancellation. And it's nice to see them partnering up with another company that looks like they specialize in it. Have you tried the uh, Crisp app on the iPhone or, you know, Samsung? I think Samsung, uh, just any. No, I haven't tried their app out. Um, the benefit of the headset I have is it's also Bluetooth. So if I need to take even calls on my phone that need some noise cancellation, I just pop it in. Well, so I think I think it's worth doing it because you you get to see like the kind of way that they're trying to leverage themselves to be like business oriented and for people that use like cell phones and things like that. Um, I put it on I put it all by and um, basically you get like <clears throat> 120 minutes a week um, and after that you have to just you know you, you don't get to do it through the crisp service but mm -hmm. they tie to your phone and then they will um tie to meetings and you can take meetings like on your cell phone uh mm -hmm. and they will um do noise cancellation in the background for you um which i think is it's pretty neat it's kind of interesting i've tried it it's basically the same thing as it is you know on the app that they're using for discord but evidently discord you know was like somebody that they got to partner with and, and buy into this technology um but it works on mobile and it works on across a lot of things i'm interested I, they don't talk a lot about how they're doing it necessarily uh in the app and everything they just say that they do it i would be yeah. interested to know what sort of algorithm they're using to be able to pull the non-voice stuff out because they're not the only person that's doing this stuff right now yeah. Well, I imagine they just have a neural network set up that they fed in tons of voice and non-voice data. And then they've just had their mathematicians go through and they're just really trying to isolate certain patterns in noise, like maybe quick spikes in sound, sound happening outside of a certain frequency. And that's how generally a lot of these companies go about it. 
so I I would say that that's probably true, uh, but I think that they have to be doing something a little bit different because most companies in the past that have done these sort of things, like even voice canceling that's like built into a headset or something like that, they're either using gates or filters, but they don't have the ability to do that like on the fly. You know, they're pro they're doing some sort of processing to this in the chip that's on whatever device you're you know you're you're using and that's that has to be like taking it evaluating the flow of data that's coming in and then like you said you know it's it's cutting out things that are high spikes of noise or they're like a constant background noise but they don't fit within the range of like human speech or something like that mm. you know yeah but that that whole first part though streaming the data in and then matching it up against your formula. That's what the whole neural network part is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe I misspoke earlier. Not a lot of people are using neural networks for that. But the, the algorithm for what kind of count as human noise, that has been around for a while. And frankly, it probably doesn't work as well. You know, this is one of those applications that I think a neural network actually can kind of fit into as long as they've been smart about it. A lot of companies will throw neural networks together and they don't hire themselves as mathematicians and they ask their comp sci people to do it and that never works because i'm not sure if you've looked at the mathematics that goes behind those things it's insane like i've looked at it yeah it's it's very it's very intense um and it's i mean there's some very smart people that look at these things and they're they, these are problems they're trying to figure out right so i I'm, I'm definitely not putting that down i mean i agree with you it's not artificial intelligence. It's not like it's making decisions, um, but they are taking some sort of like virtual intelligence or something that's able to make an action through automation, but it's a very complex automation, right? Yeah, um, well, well, ultimately, the way these things work is you get your algorithm at the end of it once you fed all this data and made your manual adjustments, run your revision, and they're just running through that. And realistically it just returns the value range. And if you fall within particular ranges, it makes particular actions. You know, that when you boil it down to it, that's kind of how all of these things work. And the real secret sauce of the ones that work well is just not even how much data you pull in. It's like how good were the people you had doing the revisions to go in and say, okay, you know, these are false, these are true. Because that's what it always kind of falls down to, is you feed in all this data, but it doesn't know what to do with it. You know, you get all that processing power, but you have to have at some level some people really good at math to go in and start saying, all right, here's your positive test cases, here's your negative test cases, and doing that enough to get something that fits. You know, that 99.9% .9 of this is what it is. Because then I'll, I'll bring it up just because it happened couple paragraphs of text back you did have when you started the talk it changed your pitch for like the first half a second and then swapped you back in so i think that leads some credibility to they're probably just streaming the audio and making a decision you came in at a particular pitch you didn't expect it so it brought you back down and then once it i guess lasted long enough it realized oh maybe that's not background noise turn that filter off Interesting. Yeah, so the there, I, I think all of these sort of things do this. 
Um, there's another one that's kind of gotten a lot of attention right now. Uh, have you heard about the uh, RTX um, AI, you know, quote unquote, uh, powered noise filter? Now they do the, the video does talk a little bit about how they do this. Have you have you heard about this or seen any of the? I've video? heard they've done it. And I saw somebody like run some audio through it and saw that it worked, but I haven't heard too much else. Okay, so basically, like, uh, and the two big you know players that have talked about this are Linus Tech Tips and Barnacles, I believe is the guy's name. Um, but basically, they have like power drills and uh, bullhorns and things happening in the background while someone's recording some information um, about whatever it is that that they're doing. You know, so they're they're recording. You know, um, uh, just like somebody just kind of talking, and they're making all this noise, vacuum cleaner, uh, bullhorn, drill, you know, things like that. And there, there's some moments where you know it kind of like warbles the guy's voice, but for the most part, all you hear is him. Mm-hmm. You don't hear anything else. The noise gates and everything that they throw in there. Now that now the way Nvidia says that they're doing it is they're using the processing power of the CUDA cores. Um, to be able to real-time process the stream as it's coming in. I think it uses like two or four CUDA cores on an RTX card. You can have it set up on a non-RTX card. Um, And it's pretty flippin' fantastic. I think that you and I should set up an experiment where, since I have my uh, RTX 2070, and um, we we should set that up to do some stuff have some background noise going like some major background noise going mm-hmm. and just see how, how that, how that plays out and like how well you can hear me while I'm talking to you through, you know, a distance and we're going through all this stuff, you know, we're, we're recording some podcasts and we're doing some of these things. I think that would be a fantastic episode. Yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. I think some speakers be. behind us play different noises and stuff like that. Yeah, play some like loud heavy metal or something like that. See if anything gets mm-hmm. picked up, because it might only pick up like it's. I think the way it's it's programmed, or the way I understand it, it's programmed to target like human voice when it's speaking. So this is all like you know for it's designed to work like for streaming, and for things like that when people are talking naturally, uh, and so the mic will pick that up, but it it'll get. In other applications, even like with like some of the things that we're using, like with Crisp and things like that, mm. the 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 information that's being pulled in may still uh, warp the voice because it, it sees that as the same information. Yeah. Uh, but supposedly you get that less with the RTX stuff. So okay. I would I would be super interested to see how that works out, and that might be a future like part two of talking about quote unquote AI power because they you know they're like this is an AI neural network powered blah 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 thing uh, but you don't have that on the computer that you're streaming from so I seriously doubt that it's AI artificial intelligence but it's probably more like some sort of algorithm they have that's able to take advantage of the processing of the CUDA cores yeah yeah I mean and, and to be fair neural networks by their definition are a field within AI but it is generally not when people talk about AI, what people think about yeah. you know, that kind of level of AI isn't really there yet. And there's a lot of debate if we'll ever actually even get there by you know, leaders in the field. 
it's kind of, you know, if anyone knows like what automated testing is, that's essentially what a neural network is. It's a lot of providing what the cor correct responses should be and throwing lots of data at it and then making adjustments. And it does definitely work. And it is definitely a lot more efficient than anything else we have. I mean, to get a person to sit down and do these things, even a team of people would take forever and there would be problems. But you know, just like if you think about other AIs, you know, you take, I forget what the IBM called their most recent chess bot that just no one's been able to beat. You know, it knows how to play chess really well, but it knows how to play chess by just being so fast, it can simulate all of the other moves. And it just picks mathematically the one that's most likely to win. There is no actual like, because you did this move, I think, you know, I should do that move or some idea of, well, I can do something that's not the most efficient move. It's just, you know, I've run hundreds of megabytes of data very quickly, which what turned out the best. And so in that way, that they are very useful, but a lot of the marketing gets this up and when they start talking to people about it, it they always portray it as some like, Cortana from Halo style. Oh, it just knows, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't. It, That's it not ran how a bunch of numbers, and it thinks this is best, and it might be best. But the only way it knows that is because at some point, a whole bunch of really smart computer scientists and mathematicians got together and made the formula for what is right and what is wrong, and then you're just comparing how close you are to your like expected value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we should totally, so it's a misnomer to call it AI-powered, but we should totally have an NVIDIA test of our own and just see how that turns out. I think it'd be a fun, it'd be a fun episode to do. Yeah. Uh, so do you have anything else you want to say about that? No, I think that's good. All right, cool. Well then, thank you so much for listening. This has been Season 3, Episode 8 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. We really appreciate you taking time out during especially this hard time for everyone to listen to our podcast. And so thank you very much and have a great week. We'll talk to you later.